You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Tonight, a BC connection to a national security breach so severe, every federal department is assessing the potential damage. It involves a senior member of the RCMP with access to Canada's most sensitive information. Cameron Ortis faces seven charges dating back to 2015. Sarah McDonald has more on his connections to Vancouver and why his expertise in computers and cyberspace is raising concerns of espionage. What happens when one of the most high-level officials within the RCMP, tasked with guarding our country's most confidential secrets, is alleged to have compromised national security? The allegations are that he uh, obtained, uh, stored, processed uh, sensitive information. Those allegations against Cameron Ortis, a civilian intel director within the force, sending shockwaves through his home city of Ottawa and right across the country Friday, even dominating the campaign trail. I can assure you that the authorities are taking this extremely seriously, uh, but you might understand uh, I have no comment to make What's on this issue time? right now. And reverberating in Metro Vancouver, where the 47-year-old accused maintained strong ties before his arrest on Thursday. Now facing a total of seven charges relating to obtaining, processing, and the intention of sharing classified information with a foreign entity. They're very serious and very unusual charges uh, under the Security of Information Act and the Criminal Code. Ortis wants the top advisor to former Force Commissioner Bob Paulson, charged both under the Criminal Code and the rarely utilized Security of Information Act, which targets suspects permanently bound to secrecy. Those charges dating back as early as 2015, when sources tell Global News the accused allegedly tried to sell classified information. About a decade after Ortis completed his PhD in political science here at the University of British Columbia in 2006, completing a more than 260-page thesis, primarily focused on cybersecurity, with a special interest in East Asia. The professor who supervised Ortis's studies and a subsequent postdoctoral fellowship, telling Global News of his former student. Nothing in my experience would lead me to suspect his alleged involvement in the activities for which he is charged. The exact opposite is true. I am deeply shocked. He is innocent until proven guilty. These are only charges. Uh, and we're not going to hear, I don't suspect, very much more from official sources. The bombshell arrest said by sources to be part of a wider operation involving NATO. Ortis said to have been first flagged by American authorities. Now one of the most trusted experts in national security sits behind bars. Facing up to 37 years in prison if convicted on all counts. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A west side masseur is facing sexual assault charges and Vancouver police believe there could be more victims. The charges stem from a visit to the Toe to Soul Relax Lounge on West Broadway. Police say a 31-year-old woman was allegedly sexually assaulted at the business. 61-year-old Amado Ramos was charged September 6th with sexual assault and is now free on bail. Investigators believe there may be additional victims and they are asking them to come forward. VPD also looking for witnesses to help solve a road rage incident that left a man with serious injuries. It happened last May around 2 a.m. at Kingsway and Fraser. The victim, a 38-year-old man, was stopped at a light when he allegedly encountered an aggressive driver in a white, newer model Jeep. 
When the victim got out to confront the Jeep driver, a dark four-door sedan pulled up and the victim was assaulted in the roadway before the two cars sped off. Police described the driver of the Jeep as white, 35 to 40 years old, and he was with a South Asian female, also 35 to 40 years old, who was holding a baby in the back seat. The driver of the sedan is described as South Asian, 35 to 40 years old, and was alone in his vehicle. The port of Vancouver is addressing serious concerns tonight. The Delta port is a haven for organized crime. The port is the busiest in all of Canada, and yet right now, just a fraction of the containers are being checked. Aaron MacArthur explains how security measures have changed there in recent years and why critics feel it's left the port vulnerable. Of the 2.4 million containers that pass through Delta Port every year, no more than 12,000 are screened for illegal material. It's a number that's disgraceful, according to Delta's mayor. Those are excellent odds. If I was in organized crime, to stuffing containers and 0.5% chance of having them actually being collected. Concerns have been raised about how rigorously the port is policed. The port, federal jurisdiction, RCMP and CBSA responsible for criminal activities. But the province and municipalities play a role too. A recent report into money laundering and the fentanyl trade pinned the ports as one of the soft spots to our economy. It's a serious issue, quite frankly, uh, because there is very little police uh, protection, police presence, I suppose, uh, in our ports. The Port of Vancouver issued a statement indicating it used to help pay for public policing costs, but as of 2015 stopped, instead shifting resources into security cameras and more strict entry controls. According to Delta's police chief, that's not good enough. Since 2015, when we saw the port funding actually eliminated from the waterfront policing, is that we've had a growing concern since 2015, and it's come to sort of a pinnacle at this point. Crime at the port, not a new thing. Delta's mayor is bringing it up now, hoping to catch the attention of federal leaders. As mayor and chair of the police board, I have the responsibility for public safety, and this is a public safety issue, and it's time the port recognized it. CBSA says port integrity, its number one priority, and is confident the measures it takes along with partner agencies on the total route of containers is sufficient to protect the security of Canadians. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The Independent Investigations Office is now looking into a police-involved shooting near West Kelowna. West Kelowna RCMP were called to Bear Creek Provincial Park early this morning when they received a complaint of a man jumping in front of a vehicle and trying to hit the vehicle with an object. Police located a suspect who was carrying garden shears. He was shot by RCMP during an attempted arrest, but managed to flee into Okanagan Lake. They have been questioning, questioning most of us, and I do know that a fellow was shot. But it, I don't think he was part of the campground. He just came in and was in the overflow area. The suspect ended up on a log boom in the lake and refused to surrender. An RCMP boat and additional officers were called in and the man was eventually taken into custody. More tonight on the increase in the airport improvement fee at YVR. If you're flying anywhere outside of BC, you'll now be paying $25. That's a 25% hike to a fee, if you'll remember, that was supposed to be temporary when it was first brought in. Jordan Armstrong is live at YVR tonight. And Jordan, you asked the airport CEO about that promise. What did he have to say? 
Well, Craig Richmond says the fee is here to stay, and he adds it's no secret where the money is going. Just look around the airport. There are dozens of improvement projects underway. At YVR, it's all about more. More airlines, more parking, more smiles, more money out of your bank account. It is expensive, yeah. It shouldn't be like that. It is the airport improvement fee, which on January 1st climbs from $20 to 25 bucks for passengers flying outside of B.C. No, not good. Not good. I mean, they say improvements. What does it mean? The song and dance from the airport is that all the money goes to capital programs. The CEO says more than 60 projects are underway, costing $700 million. And that's just this year. We are building a geo-exchange building uh, to replace our old heating and cooling plant, which has reached end of life. We're building a new six-level parkade. We're building an extension to the terminal on the international side that has eight gates. Here's how YVR's fee compares to other major airports. Edmonton, Calgary and Montreal all charge $30. Vancouver soon to be on par with Toronto at 25 Ottawa is the cheapest at 23 Wow. Yeah, I think that's a lot. Now, depending on where you're flying, one for BC, two for North America, and three for international. A fee we were once told would be temporary. That was 26 years ago. They said that about the Income Tax Act, too, didn't they? You know, I don't know where that temporary thing came from. I, I wasn't part of the senior executive team at that time. It's not ever going to end, let's be clear. Now, about the only break you'll get out of YVR is if you're flying within B.C. or to the Yukon. For that, the improvement fee will remain $5. Chris. All right, Jordan, thanks very much. More calls tonight for the provincial government to step in and help our struggling forest industry. Last night, we told you about the Tolco mill in Kelowna shutting down. Just the latest in a series of closures in the past several days, with hundreds of jobs lost or relocated. Jennifer Palma has more on the crisis and new ideas to transform the industry. Another whammy for forestry industry workers this week, this time in Kelowna, where 127 workers at the Tolco mill have been told they will be out of work indefinitely. Log costs are high. Uh, we're being told that 75% of the cost uh, for the employer is getting the wood from the bush into the mill. Earlier this week, Teal Jones also stopped all harvesting operations in coastal B.C. with layoffs for hundreds. The B.C. Liberals say a lot can be changed to keep the industry alive, like how we calculate stumpage, and then there's taxes. Government could also suspend things like the carbon tax or the employer health tax for the forest industry to help bring down the cost structure to make us more competitive and allow us to be able to operate in this environment. In an email, the Ministry of Forests states these problems go back to the B.C. Liberal days. Countering their NDP government is trying to protect jobs and that changing stumpage fees would create further trouble with duties being imposed by the U.S. So far, thousands of mill workers have been affected this year. I think... The recognition is this time there is no coming back in the same way as we used to in the past. Gary Bull, an expert with UBC Forestry, says the state of the industry needs transformation, meaning it's time for diversification. Make bioplastics, we can make biofuels, we can make bioenergy, and we can make really high-end value-added products uh, of, of a wide array. But the wheels of change aren't quick, and as mill workers wait to see what the future brings, the union is trying to meet with the province and is suggesting prudency to members. Even in the mills in, in, in the Okanagan and Boundary and Similkameen, which we look after, we're telling guys just to hold back on these big purchases because your mill could be next. Jennifer Palma, Global News. 
Right now, though, a Delta City Councilor is the latest to try and put a roadblock up to ride sharing. Councilor Lois Jackson joining Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum in opposition to the industry. Jill Bennett explains why when supporters say these are some of the cities that need it the most. You could argue residents who live south of the Fraser River would benefit greatly from being able to book an Uber or Lyft. Finding people to back up that claim is easy. I'm from North Delta, but I know that the Surrey mayor has said that he doesn't want it, and we absolutely need it. Throughout the entire lower mainland, we need to have more options as consumer outside the taxis. Yeah, ride sharing would be something that would actually think, I think it would help the community and the people around. Lots of people here commute to and from work on a daily basis. It's always hard to get taxis, that's why I think it's, it's a good thing. But there is another prominent civic politician opposed to bringing ride-sharing to Metro Vancouver the way it's proposed right now. You know, we really haven't had a lot of consultation on this issue at the local, like at the municipal, regional levels. Lois Jackson was the mayor of Delta for almost 20 years and now sits as a city councillor. She's bringing a motion to council on Monday, asking they write the Passenger Transportation Board, demanding it withdraw approval for ride-hailing companies. Charges and rates that they have, very controlled at the taxi cab level, not controlled whatsoever at the ride-sharing level. So it just occurs to me that, you know, we want to make sure that everything is Number one, safe. We will not be issuing any business license to ride-sharing companies in Surrey. Jackson's comments come just days after Surrey's mayor told a meeting of hundreds of taxi drivers he would block companies such as Uber and Lyft. But that opposition might not amount to anything. When asked if municipalities can prevent ride-hailing companies from operating, the ministry in charge response is no. The board is responsible for the regulation of taxis and ride-hail vehicles. The board has sole responsibility to control supply, boundaries and rates. Jill Bennett, Global News. Day three of the federal election campaign and liberal leader Justin Trudeau is in mostly friendly territory tonight in his hometown. Poverty is way down. Unemployment. Unemployment is at historic lows and job creation is way up. Right now, Trudeau is headlining a rally in Montreal. Earlier today, he promised to give financial incentives to entrepreneurs including a $50,000 grant for startups and the elimination of the fee merchants pay credit card companies for every transaction. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer was in Ontario today promising to bring back a 15% tax credit on transit passes. The program was introduced by Stephen Harper and then cancelled by Justin Trudeau, who said it had been ineffective in getting people to use more transit. We want to make sure that people can afford their bills. Uh, this is something that NDP leader Jagmeet Singh was in Toronto, where he promised to put a price cap on cell phone and internet services. Part of the New Democrats' promise to make everyday life more affordable for average Canadians. And Green Party leader Elizabeth May is bringing her campaign to B.C. tonight for an event in Mission with her husband and fellow Green candidate John Kidder. Now, throughout this campaign, we'll be focusing on the B.C. races that are the ones to watch. Tonight a Vancouver riding, the entire country will be following on election night, a contest that includes a former Liberal cabinet minister who dominated national headlines earlier this year. Sonia Diol reports. The most interesting race to watch in B.C. and arguably the entire country playing out right here in the riding of Vancouver-Granville. 
Hi. Hi, Peter. Hi, Peter. How are nice you? Jody Wilson-Raybould, once described as a Trudeau star candidate, you never know who you're going to meet. Winning the seat with 44% of the vote at the last election, now standing as an independent, she's turned into the Liberals' nemesis. She's my girl. Uh, <laughs> no question. Thank you, Joe. I am not shy to speak my mind and to represent the constituents of Vancouver Granville. That's what I have done for the past three and a half years, and that's what I'm committed to doing if I'm fortunate enough to be re-elected. How are you feeling today? Having been kicked out of Liberal ranks earlier this year, after saying she was pressured as Attorney General by the PM and his office over SNC-Lavalin, Winning Vancouver Granville would be the perfect revenge. Hey, Talib, good to meet you. How are you? Which is why the Liberals are throwing their weight behind 42-year-old tech entrepreneur Talib Nur Mohammed. It's not his first federal election. He stood in North Vancouver in 2011 but lost. He also tried becoming Vision Vancouver's mayoral candidate last year, pulling out because of health reasons. Hi there. My name, my name is Talib. I'm the Liberal candidate in the upcoming election. Okay. Come and say hello to you. Hello. He says voters are more concerned about issues rather than deferred prosecutions. I think if you look at the success that this government has had over the last four years and you compare that of what I call the dark ages under Harper, I would take the record of this government all day long. What's going to be interesting to watch on election night in this riding is whether voters choose the party or the candidates. Big role model for me. I'm Native American myself. The challenge here, though, is name recognition. I just wanted to say hi and thank you. Wilson Raybould treated more like a celebrity than a politician. I just saw you and I was like, oh my God, it's her. Oh, I'm not voting for her. No, well, you don't vote for the actual person, you vote for the policies. You don't vote for the charismatic or whoever, you vote for the policies. But other parties in this riding could split the votes. At least that is what the other candidates are hoping for. I want to talk about how we can address the cost of living. And I want to talk about how we can enable our businesses to have higher paying jobs so this is a place where you can live, work, and get ahead. The people of Vancouver Granville on the doorstep have told me two main problems. Um, the housing crisis is affecting all of us, and the climate crisis is scaring all of us. So we want to be able to address both with interconnected solutions. The people of Vancouver Granville are concerned about the environment, therefore we are focused on that. Independents don't traditionally win in federal elections. Whether Wilson-Raybould will be able to buck that trend is what people will be watching for on election night. Sonia Diol, Global News. A mob of media and onlookers greets actress Felicity Huffman as she and her husband, actor William H. Macy, arrive at a Boston courthouse. She was sentenced in the college admissions scandal. Heading into court, there were rumors Huffman might avoid prison time and instead be sentenced to house arrest. John Waugh tells us what really happened and how it might impact a high-profile B.C. businessman who is also charged in the scandal. From celebrity and fame to 14 days in prison. How do you feel about going to jail? Felicity Huffman, her husband William H. Macy by her side, leaving the Boston courthouse, now the first parent to be sentenced in the U.S. college admission scandal. You're not just going to get a slap on the wrist if you just buy your, buy your way into something. 14 days of jail is no cakewalk. Huffman must also pay a $30,000 fine and fulfill 250 hours of community service and a one-year supervised release. Her defense team was hoping to avoid jail time. In court, the desperate housewife star took full responsibility, telling the judge, I am deeply ashamed of what I have done. At the end of the day, I had a choice to make. I could have said no. 
Hoffman admitted to paying William Rick Singer, who is at the center of the scandal, $15,000 to boost her daughter's SAT scores. This might, in fact, encourage others to um, take a step back and say, well, you know, I've, I've seen the government's case against me. There's not a very good chance that I can get too much of a different result. Move out of the way, guys. Among the others embroiled in the scandal, several parents from British Columbia, including prominent businessman David Sidhu. He just entered a plea of not guilty. We're going to address all the allegations in court. Sidhu accused of paying a total of $200,000 for someone to take the SAT on behalf of both his sons. You want to say anything to the Celebrity Lori Loughlin, another parent who pled not guilty. For those waiting to take their fight to court, Huffman's fate sending a strong message of what might happen if they fail. It's not necessarily a harbinger of what's to come for everybody else, but it probably sets the tone for what the minimum is going to be in the future. Unfazed by the ruling against Huffman, Sidhu's lawyers say their client looks forward to his day in court. John Hua, Global News. The Ontario city of Kingston is still reeling tonight from a violent attack in its downtown core. A stabbing spree left two people dead, including the attacker. I, I saw this one guy just, just stabbing somebody over there, and I was like, what the hell's going on, right? So I, 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 he looked at me, and then he grabbed somebody else. Cell phone video captured the end of the violent incident, police shooting the attacker before he takes his own life with a knife. He'd already stabbed two people. One of the victims was 40-year-old Chris Berry, an artist, painter, and volunteer in local theater. He died of his injuries. An 85-year-old man survived. It's not known if the attacker, identified by friends as 22-year-old Evan Freeman, knew any of his victims. The music world is mourning the loss of a legendary rock star. After leaving behind a career as a New York cop, Eddie Money had a string of hits in the 70s and 80s, including Take Me Home Tonight, Two Tickets to Paradise, and Baby Hold On to Me. Money revealed last month he had stage four esophageal cancer that had spread to his liver and lymph nodes. He died of complications. He was 70 years old. In Health Matters tonight, Abbotsford Regional Hospital is getting a badly needed expansion of its emergency room. Health Minister Adrian Dick says the hospital's ER has been operating beyond capacity virtually from day one. And the $16 million expansion will give staff and patients more space. Construction is set to begin in the fall and it should be finished in the summer of 2021. The project will add 825 square meters to the emergency room, new trauma bays, and 12 new patient exam rooms that will maximize privacy and improve infection control. There will also be renovations to the triage area, dedicated stretcher bays, and we'll be relocating the hospital bays to be next to the emergency department, which will again be more efficient. Also in health news, today marks a worldwide day of awareness for one of the top killers on the planet. You may have heard of sepsis, but few really understand it. As Linda Aylesworth reports, World Sepsis Day is aimed at changing that and saving millions of lives in the process. I'm an old ICU nurse that ended up in ICU. I'm not pleasant. It was two years ago when Scott Harrison got so sick, he literally felt like he was going to die. Fever, pain, trouble breathing, teetering on the edge of consciousness. 
So I went to my local emergency department um, and the triage nurse took my vital signs and immediately took me to the trauma room, which as a nurse I knew was not a good sign. Turned out what started as a simple urinary tract infection had turned into sepsis, a massive life-threatening infection. Worldwide, it's the number one killer. And turns out even in the Western world, in Canada, there are more deaths from sepsis than there are from heart attack. 30,000 Canadians develop sepsis every year. We just went through the list and we actually found two patients who didn't have sepsis. That meant that all of the others, 12 out of 14 of our patients today, have sepsis. That's just one day in St. Paul's intensive care unit. And yet most people are unfamiliar with sepsis, which is why World Sepsis Day was created, to raise awareness. The thing that has made the biggest difference to reducing the number of deaths due to sepsis uh, is awareness in the medical community. Sepsis protocols in BC hospitals has decreased mortality rates from 40% to 20%. Early detection is what is, we're finding is really helping. So all of the nurses and the doctors here are always kind of looking for sepsis, signs of sepsis. For the public, recognizing the signs like Scott experienced and getting help promptly improves outcomes. So does getting vaccinated for things like the flu that especially applies for those living with chronic illnesses. It prevents the infection in the first place. If you prevent the infection, it doesn't go on to severe infection, sepsis. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Definitely not your typical car thief busted in Port Moody. How does this even happen? How does a bear get into somebody's car and lock the door? Early this morning, police were called to a home on Ioko Road for a report of a theft from vehicle in, in progress. Not exactly what officers expected to find, a black bear not too happy to be stuck in the vehicle. Conservation was called and they eventually got the bear out safely. No word on the damage estimate. And how about this? The Fort St. John School District has released new video tonight of that break and enter on Wednesday. The culprit a moose that ran right through the district office door and sent employees running. One staff member said it sounded like an entire band of cymbal players falling down the stairs. The moose left again quickly when someone opened a back door for it. It was located later and it seemed to be fine. The landmark change coming to a classic toy. Those little plastic soldiers are getting some new comrades in arms. We'll have that story in just a moment after weather and some spectacular lightning just south of here, Christy. Second time this week they've had a lightning storm like this, Chris. About 100 lightning strikes last night and right over the city you'll note that they are hitting the actual buildings and it had me wondering, does anyone understand the idea of lightning rods over a building? They're not actually there to attract lightning. It can't actually do that, but instead what it does is if lightning's going to actually hit a building, it creates a, uh, an easy pathway for that lightning to release its energy down to the ground rather than affecting the building, damaging it, be causing a fire. It's um, usually uh, made of aluminum or copper, a very highly a, a 
conductive material, about a couple centimeters to an inch wide. It comes in varying, varying sizes, but incredibly important aspect to protect a building in the construction. So uh, uh, really interesting to see all those lightning strikes there yesterday. We didn't see that here, but we certainly did see the rain. And we're going to see a similar pattern to what we saw yesterday and again today, where it was mostly dry during the day, but then the rain picks up in the afternoon. We'll see that tomorrow. So in the morning, the bulk of the rainfall will be northwest of our area. Sunshine Coast, Vancouver Island getting hit. I am expecting some rain if you're along the North Shore. Sorry for all you soccer kids out there. You still do have that chance of rain in the morning, but later in the day is when we're expecting the bulk of the moisture and it will be heavy at times. We're expecting a significant amount, including what we saw yesterday and then what we'll see through the weekend. We could see uh, about 40 to 60 millimeters, which is what we would typically see through the entire month of September. This is your day tomorrow, so anywhere from 10 10 to 25 millimeters expected, hardest hit regions to the north and west. These areas here will see showers in the morning. It will ease off, though, in the afternoon as everything shifts to the south. Uh, mainly dry in the Okanagan Valley. However, you are going to get wet Saturday night through your Sunday. And for the south coast, we'll see it develop across the region from the northwest uh, with a rainfall heaviest later in the day on Saturday. Sunday, still a chance of showers, but much lighter, spottier conditions. And we also have a risk of thunderstorms. And I'll leave you with this shot of the sunset last night from Dave Pollock in Kamloops. Looks like the sky is on fire there. Thanks, Dave, for that. Sure does. Another great shot. Okay, thanks, Christy. So an American toy maker will be making a landmark change to one of its iconic products, thanks in part to a six-year-old girl in Arkansas. Why do you not make cool army men? I would play with them every day, and my friends would too. Thank Why you. Why no... Why no girl army men? That was the question Vivian Lord put in a letter to BMC Toys. She loves her little plastic soldiers, but wondered why there were no fighting women. On the other end of that letter was BMC owner Jeff Immel. He'd already been working on plastic army women and even had a prototype. But Vivian's letter gave him the final push, and he says plastic army women will be on the market next year. As they well should be. When you're going for the win, you don't need a tie. Just ask Square Barn. <laughs> no tie fry. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that. Uh, I should have known. Well, it would be no good. You can't just go white. Well, I guess you could go white. Mm -hmm. uh, Jake Vertanen spent day one at Canucks training camp outside of the two main groups of players. It was kind of like being sat at the kids' table for Thanksgiving dinner, even though you're still an adult. Uh, Jake apparently didn't show up in the kind of shape that head coach Travis Green wanted him in. And one thing about Travis Green, he is all about players being in great condition. Uh, there is. Um, you know, first of all, with Jake, I, I've, I've been with Jake a long time. And uh, I think he's a big part of our team. I think he's a big part of our future. But is he really? On day one of camp, a surprising move as Jake Vertanen was skating with a third grouping, which mostly consists of players who won't be in Vancouver and likely destined for Utica. Now, Travis Green says the demotion was because Vertanen didn't meet off-season conditioning goals. You know, there are certain expectations that he wanted to, to reach and I wanted him to reach. And, and uh, you know, we both agreed that... Those, there were goals that had to be met, and if he didn't reach them, he probably wouldn't be with the, the first two groups on the first day of camp, and uh, there's nothing more than that. I'm frustrated at myself. I think anyone would. You know, I'm, I was right there. I was, uh, I was right there, so uh, it is what it is, and uh, like I said, I'm not going to be 
all pissy about it. Two on one. Antoine Roussel moving in centers for Tannen scores. Now Vertanen has gotten better since being drafted sixth overall back in 2014, hitting a career high in goals last season. But the 23-year-old has struggled with conditioning in the past. And now, before even the first preseason game, the power forward is already in the coach's doghouse. I think this year is, uh, you know, the next step for me. And I, I want to be a 20-plus goal scorer this year. And, uh, you know, I, I got to work hard to that. And that's, that's my goal for the year is to score 20-plus goals. And... Um, it starts at training camp, so get a lot of uh, hope for Jake to, to be a real good player for our team. I thought he took a step last year, and it's our job to develop players still and uh, make sure that he progresses and helps our team win down the road, but also progresses for himself as well. When the Canucks signed Michael Furlan, Vertanen essentially fell down the depth chart, as Furlan is what the Canucks were hoping Vertanen would turn into. Over the line now, Johansson gets clocked. Furlan buried Johansson. Yeah, you know, definitely being around Jake, uh, you know, I never realized how powerful he was and, you know, how good he, you know, he could be. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, once, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a big year for him. I'm just going to work hard and, and Travis knows. I told him I was, I was going to work hard and get back and come into camp and be ready for it. So it's good. Vertanen is in the final year of his contract and if the team did look to trade him, they likely wouldn't get back equal value. Right now, it appears like time could be running out for Vertanen to make a lasting impression. Well, of all the young stars awaiting new contracts, the biggest was Mitch Marner, and today the Leafs signed him to a new deal, six years worth an average of just under $10.9 million per season. That means the Leafs have three forwards making either almost $11 million or more than $11 million. Marner, John Tavares and Austin Matthews. Kaylee Humphreys won a couple of Olympic gold medals for Canada in bobsleigh, and she says she now wants to compete for the United States after a dispute with bobsleigh Canada and team coach Todd Hayes, whom she claims mentally and verbally abused her. The allegations are still under investigation, but Humphreys, who's now married to an American, wants to race for the United States. The NFL has not suspended Patriots receiver Antonio Brown over a sexual assault lawsuit brought against him by a former trainer, meaning New England could play him against Miami this Sunday, but only if the coach feels he knows enough of the playbook. Part of the process, we try to you know, get him caught up to speed as quickly as he can. It's too much ground to make up in, in, a, in a few days, but uh, we do the best we can and you know, we'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, the dude's absolute stud. Um, he's a really good football player, and I think he raises the level, um, you know, for everyone out there because of how good of a player he is and how hard he works. Lions tonight against Ottawa. There you go. Global and WestJet Vacations are giving you the chance to win an island escape to Maui WestJet Vacation package for two, including a private concert with Canadian country music stars High Valley. Today's code is Humpback Whales. Enter now. All right, Squire's here, and we've got satellite debris ready to go. Yes, so um, I found this, and I, I really want to show you this, obviously, because I'm going to show you this. Mm -hmm. But I, I wish I had a little better, clearer version of what I'm about to show you. It's a little fuzzy, but uh, this is basically a breakdance competition, Crash Bandicoot 2019. I want to show you this one kid. I think they call him Suki. So let's take a look, because this guy does things that I just get hurt watching it. <laughs> Look at the speed. Oh, real. 
I'm not even dizzy. There's another uh, routine. Getting up on his elbows. I like know. That. One more. This stuff just amazing. Look at that. Oh, wow. You know, it, I don't know. And to keep it going. I know. I mean, I, I think I've seen people dance like that if they've had too much to drink. But it wasn't quite that impressive. <laughs> uh, okay, so here is a... Um, here is a store from Australia, which I think outfits you if you like to uh, do things in the great outdoors. Mm-hmm. Nothing beats a bit of boating on a glassy lake. Unless, of course, your boat is 36 years out of date. And nothing beats a hammock strung up in a shady place. Unless you shake a possum down that bites you on your face. Nothing beats a weekend fishing with your family. Unless instead of fish you catch some guy on a jet ski. So if you're heading outdoors and don't know what to do, our BCF and experts can make you an expert too. Cause boating, camping, fishing should be BCF and BCF and BCF and BCF and fun. BCF and fun. Hey! That's pretty good. BCF, okay. Yeah. Uh, you. Christy in the commercial break, what do you think that commercial was for? The one that's coming up with the monkeys? She nailed it. She nailed it. I'm not going to tell you. You guys can figure it out as it goes along. Here we go. fun to see if the monkeys could put the furniture together. <laughs> I'd have a better time tearing Might it apart. Might actually be able to do it, yeah. You never know. Uh, okay, before we go, last look at uh, weather. I know it's going to be a little soggy. 
Yeah, so uh, tomorrow morning, I think the best chance of seeing showers will be along the North Shore. Uh, but it still will be mainly cloudy, still chance of showers. But it's more towards the end of the day that more consistent rain will push in. So hopefully people can get their soccer games in. Mm-hmm. I always get worried about those little guys in the cold and in the rain. <laughs> little guys and girls, but mm-hmm. kids in general. It builds mm-hmm. character. Yeah, that's true. That's what my dad used to say. All right, thanks for watching. Have a good night. Really and don't great have to weekend. stand in the rain say that. That's good. <laughs> All right.